I don't know what's up with me. Let's do this. Okay. Y'all heard? One, two, three. Hey, hey everybody. everybody. This is Y'all, y'all heard. heard. A podcast where me, Marissa Phillips. And me, Pete Phillips bring you interesting and spooky things that you know we think you should kind of like be aware of because it's easy to go through the world and not be scared well i guess that's not true (laughs) what no way it's easy to go through the world and be scared but like if you're a brave person and you're not afraid of everything that's what you're gonna get today yeah this wasn't pete's best no it wasn't (laughs) uh this is your first time listening not all of our episodes are scary. This is just a spooky one, I guess. I don't know what he's presenting on. In other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. Pete, how have things been? <laughs> They've been okay. But I did not, I intentionally didn't tell you about this today because I knew that I would be talking to you on the podcast tonight. Like, it's, everybody talks about how tired they are. So I'm not trying to, like, get any sympathy or anything like that. But just, like, I just, any chance I get to sleep now, I sleep. Because I don't always feel tired. And then with allergies, with my particular personal allergy season coming up, my eyes get dry. And then I get confused as to whether I'm tired or my eyes are dry. And so I close my eyes, but then I don't fall asleep. Anyway, cut to the chase, Pete. I went to bed at like 10.30 last night. 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm only slightly stirred from sleep. And I hear a... And it's the building fire alarm. For those of you who have not been to my home and are not familiar with the building that I live in, there are some commercial spaces on the first floor, and then each floor itself has smoke alarms on it in the hallway, and then each apartment has like two or three smoke alarms inside of it. Mm -hmm. If your personal one in your apartment goes off, that's like a beep, beep, beep. If the ones in the hallway go off, the lights are out, the like thing is flashing and it's super loud because it's really close to my apartment door. Yeah. So this was particularly confusing because I could hear an ant, 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 but it wasn't the loud one that's right outside of my apartment. So I was like, you know what? I don't know what the hell this is. I'm just going to go back to sleep. And I roll over and I close my eyes and I'm like, now nah, you know what? I got to pee. So I go to the bathroom And my bathroom looks out onto the street outside where I see a bunch of spinning lights and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this shit happens all the time. It's an old building. Somebody accidentally sets off the fire alarm, like on the seventh floor. And I'm on the second floor. I'm in no danger. Mm -hmm. I wake up this morning to a news report that right underneath of me, the cell phone repair shop that I have so vehemently complained about over the course of this podcast especially in the hum episode yeah <laughs> they had a small fire right underneath oh, that, me <laughs> and How i just nobody made you rolled over and went back to bed that's horrifying and when i woke up in the morning i was like huh this smells like smoke in here holy shit and then i just brushed my teeth <laughs> and then uh like cracked did my firemen not come and make why no, didn't firemen did come in then maybe it was a small shit. fire i don't really know when i moved into this building The woman told me, as if it was a selling point, that a man, I feel like I talked about this on the show before, so if you're a long-time listener, you might remember this. A man was on an oxygen tank and smoking a cigarette, and he caught on fire, died, and his whole entire apartment burned out, but the, the fire never spread past his apartment. Oh, God. Okay. And so I was like, there's nothing to worry about. Just go back to sleep, Pete. (laughs) And I'm still alive. I'm glad. Wouldn't that be crazy, though, if you found out that I was a ghost right now? Oh, my God. That would be the worst, because you haven't told me who I need to tell them. It's all their fault. You didn't tell me. We haven't updated each other's, like, dying wishes in a while. Yeah. I don't know. Just pick somebody. I trust your judgment at this point. Thank you. How about you, Marissa? Anything exciting happening with you? I might be experiencing my own personal familial Mandela effect, and I'm really upset. And... I might have to have a, not even joking, a family meeting where I make everyone sit and hash this out. Okay. I might have showed you the picture. I might not have. Anyway, when I was little, I used to live in Long Island. Our bat downstairs bathroom was blue. And despite the fact that my mother was a very classy woman, she had a picture of, I don't know if they were taxidermied cats or what, 
But she had a picture of, like, realistic cats in school uniforms in a bathroom smoking cigarettes. It should be noted, too, if you're like, oh, like the dog's playing poker. No, this is an actual picture. It's not a painting. Yeah. It's a photograph. Because I'm saying it might be taxidermy because yeah. it, it looks like absolutely actual cats. That photo has been in my mind since I was a child. Sometimes I just think about it because it wasn't. Then we moved to, to Pennsylvania, and it wasn't in our next bathroom. We got, like, a classy decor. And the other day I was just reminiscing, and I was like, ooh, I want that picture from my house. So I Googled, like, cats smoking cigarettes or something, and I found it. And I texted everyone in my house separately. Interesting move. All right. Yeah, I texted my dad. I go, Dad, you remember this? And he goes, hmm, I don't know. I'm not sure. Versus dad, historically a trickster. Yeah. <laughs> I texted my mother. You know what? I should have actually looked at the text messages before I did this. Because I don't know what my mother said exactly. But she said, like, yeah, I remember that. That might have been all she said. My brother goes... Again, I didn't lead him. I just said, remember this picture? And he goes, yeah, that used to be in our bathroom. Okay. That was a week ago, at least. I've not talked about it since. There are two weird parts to this. One is the Mandela effect I'll get to. Two is the fact that that was a week ago. I've never talked about it since. And related to nothing, my mother texted me today at work saying, I didn't say we had that cat in the bathroom. I just said I knew it from the store. So I don't know whether she was talking about that privately or what. I was just like, what are you talking about? I was, she's like, that cat thing. I never said it was in our bathroom. And I was like, but it was. And she's like, no, it wasn't. I was like, it was in our downstairs bathroom. She was like, no, we had doves. That didn't exist. And I was like, my brother and I both know it was in our bathroom. What are you talking about? So me and my brother know it was in the bathroom. Okay. Well, my mother and father deny it was, and then she didn't want to talk about it anymore, so she changed the subject and started talking about my diet. It sounds like a cover-up. Yeah, so, like, I'm really bothered because I remember the picture so clearly and distinctly, and so does my brother, and somebody, if my brother and I were men, have the Mandela effect and imagine that, that would be haunting. I'm going to go ahead and say, being that Marisol... No, it's nothing to do with me in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Parents are not the most reliable historical figures. I mean, yeah. And my parents are getting up there in age. But for them both to deny, like, I mean, my father didn't say it wasn't. He's just like, I no, think I said, like, that's not bathroom, fair. Like, they live in the same house. They definitely got to each other. Yeah, because it seems like maybe they were talking about it amongst themselves. And also but- your dad is just like. Oh, do you think it'll make her sound like make her feel crazy? I'll definitely buy into that with you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, guys, it was very interesting. I know that you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, Pete, can we put that cat picture somewhere? Sure. So if you are a app based listener of the podcast, make sure you head out to the website yallheard.me so that you can see the cat picture. Uh, and you might be like, why do I give a shit about this cat photo that used to be in Marissa's house? Because it's a really fucking cool cat photo. It is. Like, I have it as my desktop wallpaper now. I have a close-up of one of the cats smoking their cigarettes. And, like, I, when I saw it, I was like, sometimes I know, too, that your mom can think, like, well, what would people think if that was in my bathroom? Like, if people see that, what will they think that my bathroom was like? Will they think that we smoked in the bathroom in (laughs) schoolgirl outfits, dressed up like cats? (laughs) I definitely think a young Marisol, much different than today, picked that. And then, like, when we moving houses, she was like, what the fuck is this? Your parents are also cool. And it's a cool picture. It's like... Oh, it's cool. Yeah. It's like, you know, like I have... it. It's similar to the dogs playing poker. Like you're making a conscious decision when you put that up to be like, isn't this place cool? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Also, I'm going to get it for my house. Absolutely. So yeah, that's, that's that. My family may or may not be experiencing the Mandela effect. Well, speaking of a family that is experiencing a different type of effect... Yeah. Icebreaker. If you had to be haunted by somebody, not who would it be per se, but like what kind of person would you prefer to be haunted by? When you say haunted, do you mean they would exist in my house or they would actually like 
be creeping me out purposely. Uh, what do you mean? Like, I'm going to have a ghost in my house, or yeah. they're going out of their way to, like, spook me. I mean, you have a ghost in your house, and, like, if you think, oh, the ghost has to spook me, then that could be one of your answers. No, it doesn't. Can I just be friends with them? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Can you answer first? I don't know how to... I wish I could come up with a specific, like, occupation to make it sound more interesting and compelling. But, like, if I had to be haunted, I think, like, a ghost that would... There's a lot of days when I leave my apartment and then I have to come back for something. Mm-hmm. And then I leave again and I have to come back for something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like a ghost that could kind of, like, remind me of things or, like, spookily move something that I need to take to work tomorrow, like, in front of my path so that I definitely don't miss it tomorrow. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Like, that would be the ideal type of haunting for me. But I think, too, if we have to communicate with one another, I would appreciate a sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I do live alone. I am single. It'd be nice to have conversations with somebody from time to time. But to be honest, I don't I, I, I don't need that right now. I don't need that out of a ghost. Meaning if, if they want to, that's cool. We could talk. But I maybe want a ghost that I talk to a lot and I fall in love with. Okay. Not that I have sex. I don't want to have ghost sex with them. Yeah. I want them. Like, is that totally off the table? <laughs> yeah, I kind of want it to be like an unrequited love. Like, I get to have a normal life eventually oh. but like we'll always love each other and we could always be in each other's lives because they're invisible and like not everyone could see them and we could do like spooky things yeah i want like a but ghost not spooky sex things yeah i want like a ghost soulmate okay i like it i got a flu shot today that's not related no it's not <laughs> i got one yesterday I just finally went to look at my arm for the first time. Oh. Yeah, I haven't. Oh, <laughs> you saw my hand. It hurts. It hurts a lot. Mine doesn't hurt, but my colleagues were warning me, yes, that it would end up hurting. Oh, by the way, I went to the doctor, and I was it was right after work, and I use natural deodorant now, which means I generally smell bad. <laughs> uh, so I get Not there. Not like those I, Old Spice days. Yeah, exactly. So I get there, and I take off my jacket, and I don't really notice that I smell bad. But then, like, <laughs> the nurse is going to um, take my temperature. So I usually try to, like, lighten the mood, and I don't want them to be like, oh, she smells bad. So I was like, just you know, I just came from work. I'm sorry. I probably don't smell the best. Because I kind of, like, got a whiff of my BO, and I was like, oh. <laughs> then the previously friendly nurse didn't respond and then was no longer polite to me. I mean, she wasn't rude, but she just wasn't friendly. And that's when I realized that was a whiff of her B.O., not my B.O. Oh. And I think she thought I was making a reference to her. Yeah. I was very embarrassed. I have a similar problem at my doctor's office because my doctor's office is always warm. And mm-hmm. I have talked on the show before about how I run a little hot and, like, have sweat problems. Yeah. And so, like, whenever she's doing that, like, breathe deep and everything like that, I feel so bad that she has to, like, put her stethoscope on my sweaty body. What? You can't be... Are you that sweaty like that? It's not like it's pouring off my body, but, like, clammy-ish, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's get to the point for this episode, right? Ooh, yeah. Shut up, Pete. Marissa. What? I am going to tell you today about the Smurl haunting. Are you familiar at all? Why do I know that name? You've let's, never told me about this? Let's give another clap to... You've probably heard about it before. Our dear friend, Kathy, because Kathy... Brought this to my attention. I didn't know about it before. But um, we went to a place that had candy and ice cream in the Pittston area. And then we were like, hey, let's go for a walk in the cemetery with a couple of friends that she had. And so we did that. And she was like, I think the Smurl house is nearby. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And she was like, oh, there was a, like a, it was, it's like a haunted house or something. And I was like, cool. And then I just sort of fell into my head. And like many topics on this show, it, it just sort of came to the surface since uh, October is here, you know, and I was looking for spooky topics. So the Wikipedia article on this is so slanted. <laughs> Oh, interesting. The Smurl haunting refers to claims made by Jack and Janet Smurl of West Pittston, Pennsylvania, U.S., who alleged that a demon inhabited their home between 1974 and 1989. The Smurls claims... Oh, that sounds so great. ...gained wide press attention. I'm sorry, a demon doesn't sound so great. This right. story sounds great. <laughs> 
The Smurls' claims gained wide press attention and were investigated by demonologists who encouraged the family's supernatural beliefs and clergy, psychologists, and scientific skeptics who offered more parasomnious explanations. Parasomnious, uh, I checked, just means like realistic, direct, obvious explanations of things that were happening. Okay. The Smurls' version of their story was the subject of the 1986 paperback titled The Haunted, which I'm holding up for the camera right now so that Marissa can see I purchased a book for this topic. Ooh. Oh, is that say Edward and Lorraine Warren? Absolutely. So that's why I must know about it. Okay, continue. I must have read about it at some point. And it was a 1991 made-for-TV movie of the same name released by 20th Century Fox, which I'm going to post a link to on our site uh, under this episode because... I not only went through <laughs> and tabbed off a like 300 page paperback book, but I also watched this wow. hour and a half long movie. So I feel like I know a lot about this, but I have like two paragraphs of notes. <laughs> so the rest what? is all going to be off the top of my head and paging through a book, okay? Fighting. <laughs> Worth noting, perhaps I guess, right? Jack Smurl died on June 24th, 2017. A little bit of show trivia. Listener Sarah Sinto was the person who wrote the article for the Citizen's Voice. That's fun. Posthumously profiling uh, Jack Smurl, where she interviewed one of the uh, youngest daughters, youngest twin daughters, Karen. So I thought that would be interesting, too. As you go through the story, you'll find out Jack obviously plays an integral role. He's dead now, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. But what also feels odd about this particular topic is that there are still people in this area that are alive, you know, who are directly or peripherally related to this. Okay. So this particular book is by Ed and Lorraine Warren and Jack and Janet Smurl. And then it's like the guy who I think did all the work bringing it all together named Robert Curran. Okay. It's actually a really easy book to read. The chapters, I guess if you want to call them that, are super short. They're very focused. Some of them are just direct interviews, like transcriptions. Some of them are scene setting with description and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But in many cases, he references the apprentice demonologist. And as I was reading through this, I was like, what? what? I don't understand. Like, it was like a background history of someone who wanted to be a demonologist and ended up working with the Warrens and then ended up quitting working with the Warrens because it was too crazy i guess okay and then i finally went back to the introduction and read that it was like a composite of three different people who had worked with the warrens and it it was the only place where he takes i feel like too much (laughs) authorial ownership of something and so makes it into something other than that it's very easy read except we're talking page 16 okay of this book for those of you who aren't familiar with the area that i have to live in right now um (laughs) have to live in that's fun (laughs) Basically, it used to be a coal mining town, and then also he references the fact that they seem to cut a lot of timber in the area as well. But what happened was there was a hurricane, Agnes? Yeah, hurricane I don't know. Agnes. Yeah, and yeah. then the and she caused the flood. She, the right? It caused yeah, the flood. Yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> anyway, cut to the chase. All these mines were flooded, and some of them caved in. And this particular paragraph stood out to me while I was reading this. Marissa, perhaps you can explain to everyone why this might have stood out to me. The mine cavens were so prevalent and dangerous in the late 30s and 40s that schools had to be closed. A prelate who has spent time investigating occult matters speculates that the cavens may have caused demons to rise up from the ground used for satanic purposes. He mentions finding pig bones beneath an excavated house. The bones were pointed in the shape of a hexagram, the sign of the devil. Marissa, do you find anything unusual about that? I personally thought it was a pentagram. I'm sure yeah, that's a hexagram okay. is what the is sign of Judaism. Oh my god! Which is all the more disturbing. Did it get fucked up and meant a pentagram? <laughs> this, all the more disturbing if it's pig bones shaped. Wow! Yeah! Oh my god! So do you think to, it was just a mistake? I hope so, because I went online right away. I was like. No, no, I have to look this up. And and yeah, it was like also called the Star of David. It's a star that's made out of two triangles. You know? Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Six. Yeah, okay. 
That's so, unfortunate. To um, to continue the story, uh, in 1972. Okay, so that was before. That was okay in the 30s and the 40s. This particular area that I live in in Northeast Pennsylvania seems to have a cyclical relationship with flooding and hurricanes. And so, like for a few years, nothing will happen, and then something almost life-threatening will happen. And so, in 1972 is when Hurricane Agnes invaded northeastern Pennsylvania, and the house where the two families lived in Wilkesbury was flooded with 12 feet of water. Though John and Mary, who are Jack's parents, renovated the Wilkesbury house, the local redevelopment authority took it over and forced them to move. Which was, I was like, what? Yeah, well, I, I don't get that. Is it making sense? <laughs> it was yeah. then, I don't know either. Uh, it was then okay. that John and Mary bought a duplex at 328, 330, you know, duplex, two sides, uh, oh. Chase Street in West Pittston, Pennsylvania, a nearby town of 10000 for $18,000, and this was the fall of 1973. Chase Street, uh, the author indicates, Chase Street is a narrow is a narrow and runs perpendicular to Wyoming Avenue. It is very narrow because yes, I did drive out there last weekend morning by the house. Oh my and, God, uh, pee without me! <laughs> I needed to get a picture for the show uh, Wait, cover. Wait, is it abandoned now? No. People in live fact, there. There are toys of children in the driveway. <laughs> oh man. Okay. One thing that comes up a lot over the course of this particular investigation and this particular story is that this family is a family of normal religious people. Mm -hmm. And so often people are like, I mean, yeah, demons mess with people who welcome them into the home or maybe they have some sort of wavering feeling about religion or God or something like that. But these are people who go to church, are active in their church, they volunteer in the community. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like this doesn't make a lot of sense why these people would be haunted. It never does, Pete. It never does. <laughs> Jack and Janet had come to symbolize success. Not flashy cars, not a dissolute and selfish lifestyle, not trendy clothes and trendy thinking, but success as this part of the country understood it. They toiled Did long. the book say not trendy clothes and yes. not trendy thinking? Okay. <laughs> Most of what I'm going to say for this is going to be direct quotes from the book. They toiled long, they paid their bills, their family was the center of their lives, their belief in God grew stronger yearly, that's an odd indicator, I would think you could just say every day, <laughs> and they were uh, willing to extend through their civic activities the kind of charity that Christ taught was necessary for a holy life. Mm. Okay, then they move into this house, okay? First thing that happens when they get into this house, in January of 1974, Mary Smurl purchased a new red carpet for her house. When the workers oh, from the rug shit, company... Oh, asking for it. <laughs> red carpet, yeah. Yeah. Um, she literally laid out the red carpet. Am I right? High five, Marissa. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when the workers from the rug company laid it out in the living room, Mary discovered that the rug contained a large, round grease stain. Instead of calling the company and having it returned like you or I might do, uh, that night, John and Mary used a cleansing solution on the rug, and the stain came out completely. But then, two days later, it was back. They repeated, and the stain came back again. Marissa, what would you do if that was the situation at your house? How large is the rug? Uh, it probably takes up, like, the whole room. Cry? Okay. They <laughs> did what I would do, Marissa, and they threw out the rug. Okay. Yeah, there's that. Okay. <laughs> this, too, is, is also fun to read. The details that this writer chooses to put into the book are very fun. So... Jack Smurl is a Western movie fan. He's a particular admirer of John Wayne. Okay. So one night he's watching some Western stuff in 1974 when suddenly the TV set, without giving any advance warning, I don't know what that would be, burst into flames the way Ooh. it might had a bomb been thrown at it. Fun. Part of it melted in flame and smoke before Jack could get the fire out. Okay. That was also a little strange. Another one is leaky joints in the house. So the plumbing was leaky. Luckily, um, Jack and John are both industrious men. And so uh, they replace all the joints. And s I, I shouldn't say they replaced them because I don't know that to be true. But basically, they reinforced all of them. And they soldered them and, and made sure everything was nice and sealed. And then they just kept leaking. Okay. So that was a little weird, too. 
right now, the TV set is a little alarming, but, you know, tube sets, maybe that was a possibility that it could blow up. I don't know. Stained rug, leaky joints, whatever. Strange markings. Okay. Ooh, like it, what? Like hexagram? <laughs> this is a little bit weirder. This is something that I think I would take your position on, Marissa, and cry. When they moved into the house, they, you know, made it their own, and they remodeled a couple of things, not the least of which was the bathroom. They installed a new sink and a bathtub. But they awakened the morning after they finished the remodeling work to find that the porcelain sink and tub had been scratched beyond repair. Chips were out of it, or chips of it were knocked out. The sight was ugly and disturbing, as if talons of some frenzied beast had clawed at the porcelain. That's scary. Dawn Smurl, one of the daughters, in 75, she just came downstairs and she was like, Hey, I just saw some people floating around in my bedroom. What? Wait, how old is she? It doesn't say at this particular point. Because she's like 55. She's not 55, Marissa. Okay. <laughs> she's a kid who should be living at home. My guess would be like maybe, I don't know, like seven or eight or something. Okay. There were a lot of <laughs> Sorry, small... I keep thinking of her big 55. <laughs> there were a lot of small irritations, as the writer says. Uh, the toilet would flush without uh, anybody being in the bathroom. That happens in my bathroom too but marissa and i both live in apartments and so we have experienced some interesting things related to apartment plumbing (laughs) yeah uh radios would turn on all the way up even though they weren't plugged in that's spooky yeah that is jack heard footsteps upstairs and drawers opening and closing in two of the bedrooms he was home alone at the time uh over the next four years the family grew by two members uh sharon and karen were born in 77 So that's just a little bit about the early stuff. And then there was some encounters with a dark form. Ooh, this is the part. This is the part where sounding like I already talked about (laughs) how I go to the doctors and I'm sweaty. This sounds like a haunting is good for me. Oh, is this about like the temperature changing? Yeah. Despite the thermostat reading 70, the house had been cold as a meat locker. Okay. There was a time where Jack's parents, John and Mary, heard foul language and abusive language coming from Jack and Janet's side of the duplex. And it was apparently a a woman's voice. And so if you watch the movie, this actually comes up in the movie, but the movie is spliced together in an odd way where like this happens and you're like, what the fuck was that? (laughs) Oh, Um, basically Mary goes to uh, Janet, her daughter-in-law, like, I can't believe that you speak to my son that way and use that kind of language. I thought I knew you, and I don't know you at all. Like, something to that effect. And Janet's like, what? (laughs) I have never (laughs) used that kind of language and this, that, and the other. She just doesn't talk to them for a while in the movie. Uh, But ultimately, Mary comes around because different things start to, you know, spooky things start to happen. Uh, This particular one happened to Mary. A puppy with neither a head nor a tail. No! ran across the room right in front of Mary and dashed under the love seat. How do you know it's a puppy, then? <laughs> I know. It doesn't have a head and it doesn't have a tail. Maybe it was a rat. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. And the love seat was so close to the ground that people were like, dog, like a dog couldn't fit under there. You must be seeing things. And Mary's answer was, It's a rat. Not a real puppy could fit under there. It was a toy puppy. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, quote from Dawn, who, again, I apologize, Marissa, I don't know what her age is, but um, in the interview for this particular book, which, which was published in 1986, uh, some of it you would get used to, but some of it you couldn't. The sound of fluttering wings, for example. That's right. That's why I picked this part out, because it sounded insane. Okay. <laughs> the sound of fluttering wings, for example, is incredible. You get this image of gigantic birds taking off. One day we heard it in the chimney. My dad asked Kim, another sister, to go outside and look on the roof. She didn't see anything, but we could still hear the fluttering, like something was trying to claw its way into the attic. Ew. It was horrible. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, then they hook up with the Warrens a little bit, and then we get a lot of first-person uh, stuff from the they Warrens. They fuck? No. So that would have been they compelling. They a little bit. To move the story along. The family that greeted us, this is coming from Ed Warren, uh, was not the sort that we were used to seeing in hauntings. There was a classic pattern, troubled troubled home life, 
uh, great domestic anxiety, but right away we knew that this family did not fit that pattern. Jack Smurl was a strapping man, hearty and open. Janet Smurl was a friendly, soft-spoken person. I don't know what hearty and open means. I don't know what strapping means either. <laughs> I mean, yeah, ew. Okay. Soft-spoken with luminous eyes and a ready Soft smile. Soft and closed up. The children were neatly dressed, polite, and attentive. Then he sits down and he has a conversation with uh, Janet. This is a part that I meant to share with you, Marissa, so that we could do some role-playing. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't. Oh, man, that would have been fun. Are you familiar with the term Satanism? And she says, yes. What does it Are mean Are they British? You? No. Oh, I wanted that in a British accent. I mean, the Smurls or the Warriors? Are you familiar with the term Satanism? Are you familiar with the term Satanism? Yes. What does it mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> Worshipping Satan? Yes. Have you ever practiced Satanism? No. no. Oh, now everybody's. Yes. I you know, have it. Do you know what a Ouija board is? Do you know what a Ouija board is? Yes. Have you ever experimented with one? No. Has any member of your family ever experimented with one? No. You're certain. Janet glanced around her family. Yes, I'm certain. Do you read any books on witchcraft? By the way, Marissa, this is starting to look like a problem for you, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you read any books on witchcraft? Since our problem started here, I've read every book on the subject. But you have not practiced any of the rituals in the books. No. And your faith in God has remained intact. If anything, it's stronger than ever. The same for you, Jack? The same, Jack said. This is so weird that you guys not practicing any of these things would be affected by something like this. Yeah, yeah. They do a walkthrough of the house, and Lorraine Warren comes down, and she goes, All right, listen, everybody, there's four spirits in your home. One of them is an elderly woman. She's just confused. Then there's another woman who's much younger, uh, and she's just, like, insane and violent. They might want to harm you, but I think that she can be dealt with through prayer. The okay. third spirit in your house is a man, and at this point, we know all we know is that he has a mustache, and he possesses the ability to carry out great harm. <laughs> then there's the fourth one that you should worry about. I want you to remain calm as I tell you about him. And Janet says... You're going to tell me it's a demon, aren't you? And Lorraine's like, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the demon is here to create chaos and destroy the family. The demon will use uh, the other three spirits to his advantage. Woo! They do gender the demon, which, hello, 2019, not okay. Yeah. And then I starred this part off because I was like, maybe I'm being haunted. Uh, and you too, Marissa. Remember what I said about you being a battery the demon draws power from? That's what's going on here. You're always tired, and that's one reason that you're always Ew, cold. Uh, <laughs> There's an entity that's trying to drain the life force from you. So, you know, if you're ever going to work late, just be like, sorry, boss, I'm being possessed. <laughs> By the way, guys, I want you to know I'm laughing at this because it's terrifying. <laughs> if, if, you know, like, if you were firsthand involved in this, it would be a very scary thing. I mean, uh Ed Warren is uh, in the house. Basically, they're going through the house. They're doing the thing that you would see in a sort of possession type situation where they're like, yo, demon, get out of here. Obviously, it was not responding happily to my demands because I saw a thin silver gossamer thread start to form in the ornate mirror above the, bu the bureau. Not a gossamer thread. <laughs> Stunned <I watched laughs> as the thread began to form letters of the alphabet. Letters... Of what else? <laughs> First, Y, then an O, and then Yo. you. <laughs> I continued to shake from the freezing cold, which again sounds wonderful to me, uh, but I had no choice but to be fascinated as the vile message began to slowly show itself fully. Marissa, it starts with you. Do you have any guesses as to what it, sh what it might say? Wait. Oh, you... You... Did it. You die. You are next. You. What's, what's interesting you about snooze. what you're picking is you that <laughs> I'm in agreement with you because everything that you said is very short. You filthy bastard, get out of this house. No! How long did he have to wait for that to spell out? <laughs> no, that is way too much. You. No, no, it said. 
You wish. That's what it says. I like that sassy ghost. (laughs) (laughs) A horrible stench filled my nostrils. The temperature fell even more, and I felt a dangerous paralysis set in. Demons often like to immobilize people. It makes it much easier for them to work their tricks. Ooh, dirty. (laughs) Uh, It's also worth noting... (laughs) The Smurls have a dog. Yeah. Not a headless, tailless dog. (laughs) An actual dog, a German Shepherd. Oh, I love that. German Shepherds. Marissa, um... Tanya, was she part German Shepherd? She was part German Shepherd. She was a Yeah, mother. she had like the size of a German Shepherd, at least from what I imagine. No, she had the face hearing of a German her. Shepherd. She had the body of a smaller dog. Oh, interesting. Okay. German Shepherds are like double her size. Simon, the family dog, had dematerialized right in front of Janet's What? Eyes, and then, howling, had come back into earthly existence. That's You funny. can't gauge, this is according to Lorraine Warren, you can't gauge the horrible impact this must have had on a sensitive woman like Janet. Why is she sensitive? Did we know that? Oh, she's just like, she's a soft-spoken lady. Okay. She's proper, you know. Yeah, okay. Even though the dematerialization was dramatic, it was probably no more impactful on the Smurls' mental state than the constant wall-banging, door-slamming, and whispering that the spirits inflicted on the family. Did the dog never come back? No, the dog came back right away. Oh, oh. Yeah, it dematerialized, howled, and then rematerialized. Oh, I missed it. As if to be like, no, this isn't where I want to be, and then they were like, okay, we'll send you back. Aw, doggy. Now, Marissa, we're going to get into some sensitive territory here. Why? I want listeners to know that when I mean, we start, we are going to enter the realm of ghost rape. Oh, no, Pete. I want you to know that, of course, the two of us, in a very serious way, don't find rape funny, don't find any sex uh, assault or abuse or anything like that uh, funny. However, it is something that took place with this particular, uh, this haunting. And it happened to Jack. The, is that the father? Yes. Oh my gosh. Up the butt? Jack. No, I asked that and then I realized he doesn't have a vagina. That wasn't a joke. Jack, would you describe what happened on the night of June 21st? The surprising thing was that the house had been pretty peaceful for two or three days. We watched a movie on TV, got the girls to bed, had some lemonade. This is the life these people lead, okay? Are you... (laughs) Like, having lemonade is their... Like, the equivalent of, like, Marissa and I having, like, wine. (laughs) Or, uh, like, six drinks on Skype. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then went up to bed. How did you first know something was wrong? The way that I came awake, I guess. Basically, he talks about a woman who is riding him. Ooh! The The author likes to use this term, riding him in the dominant sexual position. That is excessive interesting phrasing yeah (laughs) so i'm I'm laughing at the writing not the situation okay parts of her are scaly like snake scales gross and then the interviewer says you say she the scales were on a woman and he says yes would you describe her for me to be honest i hate to even think about her her skin was paper white but it was covered in some places with the scaly surface i mentioned and then in other places it would be open sores ew the Gross. kind you think a leper would have or something. And these sores were running with pus. Ew! He estimates her to be around sorry, 65 or 70 years old. Uh, no. She had long, white, scraggly hair. Her eyes were all red. And inside of her mouth and gums were green. Ew, that's gross. Some of her teeth were missing. But those that she had were very long and vampire-like. Yeah, it sounds like... That sounds her body cool. itself was firm, like that of a younger woman. Which is like... Do you, you could have kept that part to yourself. I know. <laughs> what did she do? She paralyzed me in some way. I saw her walking out of the shadows towards our bed, and I sensed what she was going to do, but I couldn't stop her. She mounted me in the dominant position. There it is. Yeah, that's uh, And she started riding me. That's the only way I can describe it. And basically, she comes to a sexual climax. She looked Does at me Does he come to smiled. a sexual climax? That's what I want to no. know. Let me tell you the rest, and you can come up to the come to this decision yourself. Okay. She just looked at me and smiled, showing those incredible teeth, the fang. Ones. Incredible. Yeah. That seems. Uh, it's it's a too too neutral an adjective for this situation. I tried to look away, but something held my eyes to her. I could tell when she was having orgasms because she was giving little jerks, and her smile would broaden. I don't like this story. Then she just vanished, and that's when I noticed this sticky substance all over. Ew, gross. 
I suppose you would compare it to semen, the texture of it anyway. Uh, it was emitted from the creature's vagina, and I was sore, too, as if he had been boning all night. So, yeah, that takes place. That's now, I gotta tell you guys, despite the graphic details that we had to listen to there, which, I'm sorry, I guess we didn't have to listen to it, but despite well, the graphic details to. that I selected to read to you, Marissa, <laughs> that's terrifying. Absolutely. Uh, female, again, we're gendering demons, but, like, on male, that would be a succubus. Yeah. On female would be incubus. Incubus, yeah. So, we don't have any incubi, that's the right term. <laughs> sure. That, uh, that come out in this particular story, but... That was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. They were like, listen, we got to do something about this, okay? This is messed up. Do you think his wife doubted him a little bit and thought he was just boning someone? No. No, he's such... I mean, according to this, no. Okay. But what's odd is that she's next to him the whole entire time. This happens a few times where Janet gets affected by something... And he is next to her in bed, but he doesn't know that it's happening. She's, like, levitated from the bed, thrown across the room, different things like that. And he's just asleep. There's another time where he's awake, but he is, for all intents and purposes, paralyzed. He can't do anything to help her, but he has to watch something happening to her. And again, it's not, like, a, a sexual thing, but, like... Yeah. That's messed up, too. That is, yeah. Then they talk about how they wanted to get some help. Now we get into this sort of fuzzy area about the Catholic Church. Because basically what happens is the Smurls, who are active Catholics, go to the church and they say, I need some help. Like, we need some help taking care of this. And the church is like, no, you're cool. Like, that's not actually a thing. Like, that's not a thing that happens. Oh, wow. So he they call the diocese and the secretary connects them to a Father Calloway. Father Calloway picks up the phone. They have a civil conversation. And then... Father Calloway is like, dude, this sounds serious. We're going to have to get somebody on this right away. Tell you what, why don't you let me do a little checking and get back to you? And then he, Jack is like, all we want is a little bit of cooperation. Thank you so much for your time and for taking a look at, at this. He just wants to make sure everything's okay, and he says, I'll call you back. Mm-hmm. One of Jack's friends, who knows people at the diocese, he says, mm-hmm. Jack, I called a priest buddy of mine who knows everybody in the diocese office. There is no Father Calloway. Ooh, exciting. But we talked to him. I'm sorry, Jack. But listen, they do have a name for you in the diocese. Uh, Father Emmett Doyle. He's Chancellor of the Scranton Diocese. He's a very decent guy, Jack. He really is. And I read that in a very dismissive fashion. Yeah, why? That that sounded fishy? The guy does his best, but I don't know that he's necessarily uh, prepared for this sort of thing. Okay. Ed and I, in this case Lorraine, explained to the Smurls that there are four demonic stages, and these were, one, infestation, two, oppression, Ew, that, that sounds gross. three, possession, and four, death. Under infestation, the demon and the spirit enters the house. This is followed by oppression, when the family comes under attack and harassment. In the possession stage, a demon can move into and possess a human being's body. This is the belief behind the Amityville story. Okay. Death is the ultimate goal of this demon. To kill a person? Of that, we have no doubt, and I don't think that the Smurls did either. So, yeah. They're... I think they just, I just wanted a... Yeah, I guess. I'm sorry, I don't know what I saw. Okay, so another thing. Marissa, you're... Sorry to keep putting you in these compromising situations, but you're in a house. There's a lot of haunting going on. What's something that you think you might try to do to... What would I do to prevent it? To get away. You would go away. Yeah. You'd be like, you know what, family, Unless we're going... Unless the demon attaches itself to you, I love the conjuring. You guys can't see it, but I'm nodding. <laughs> yeah, the, the smurls, conjuring. It, the yeah, smurls no, like to... I'm actually going to watch that later tonight. Oh, I love the movie. The smurls have a campground that they go to. They really like to go there. And they have a van, and they pack up the van with all their stuff, and then they camp out there. They go out to this particular campsite, and while they're there, they see a young woman in a Victorian-era dress and all that sort of stuff. And uh, when they walk closer to her, she disappears. And there is a little bit of rattling. Mary and John... Yeah, I have that right. Mary and John are sleeping in a camper one night, and the bed starts to, I'm going to say, like, shake, like, rattle. Okay. Except because it's in a a camper, they actually have it nailed to the floor. Okay. And so 
it they were like it feels like something is trying to lift it up oh scary but it can't because it's nailed to the floor they went to on on a couple of vacations but it didn't really uh stop anything like that oh that sucks there was a tv show in philadelphia and the warrens were going to make an appearance on it and they were like hey guy who runs the show richard bay they were like hey can we bring a couple with us who are being affected and he was like, yeah, sure, the more the merrier. Okay. The Smurls actually go down there. They stay in a hotel. They barely get any sleep because all the stuff that happens in their house is also happening in the hotel. That is fucked up. And, 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 and so it's kind of like, oh, man, what's going on? We can't even go away to Philadelphia for the night. <laughs> and, and Everybody's you know. dream. Then there's also this other incident. The thing that Jack referred to in a previous uh sentence (laughs) uh was a creature roughly eight feet in height that stood on two legs but had on top of its wide shoulders a furry head with blinding red eyes and a pig-like snout standing at the end of the bed the creature that sounds horrifying slavered and slobbered what is slathered i don't know i know what slathered means it doesn't slathered with a v great and clawed at the air with rake-like fingers, seeming to threaten Jack with evisceration. Even more repugnant than they the sheep really of the creature's love face words. was the slobbering noises of its lips, which resembled pieces of liver. That's as they took talking. in air and saliva. So, this stuff keeps happening. There's another incident interview portion. Jack, could you tell us what happened the night the beast appeared to you? Jack's answer was, that wasn't a happy time. <laughs> That's great. I wish I was better at this kind of thing, meaning describing things. It was huge, for one thing. It had two animal legs. I'd say they resembled a horse's legs. And part of the face was human, and part, the snout, I guess, was that of an animal, with black, wet nostrils and brown fur over most of its skull and face. It had rounded hips that don't lie. Ooh. And, no. <laughs> uh-huh. Rounded hips that were covered with fur and eyes that kind of shone. There's no other way to describe it. They shone, but at the same time, they were human, too. It saw me and slashed at the air with hands or hooves that looked partly human and partly animal. It made a snorting sound that almost made me nauseous to hear. I got all this in a glimpse as soon as I turned the light on, and almost immediately the creature charged at me. The most threatening thing about it was its sheer size. This thing was at least seven feet tall, and all I could think of was that a horse and a human had been grafted together in a real crude way. Ew! And then the thing was swiping at the air at me. And then it disappears. Okay. Ugh. And then (laughs) they do what the Warrens told them to, which is basically pray your ass off whenever you feel like (laughs) you're being possessed. Yeah. Um, Eventually they go on another trip. And this one I kind of like. The idea behind this was from Mary, the matriarch of the family. And she says, maybe if we all leave the house, like if the demon is using us as batteries and we all leave the house, then it won't have any charge and nothing will happen. Except when they went away, the house still made noises. And when they came back, the neighbors were like, your house was like a shit show last night. What was going on in there? Yeah. So I'm sorry. Uh, Like I said, I know I'm going on long. This feels like so much like The Conjuring, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) There are times when they sort of, like I said, pray their ass off and the demons sort of subside, but only for a little bit. Ultimately, Marissa, they go public. Mm -hmm. And they say, we need help. Can anybody help us? Uh, Somebody from the local newspaper, I believe it was the Times leader of the time, goes out, interviews them, is like fair presents the facts everything like that the story catches fire so to speak and different media outlets just swarm on the smurls house now the smurls house at least today and the pictures look like they match doesn't really have a very big yard so when i say that they swarm the house i don't really know how many people that is okay okay but the pictures make it look like it was real busy now if you watch the movie the haunted you will see, like, hundreds of people on the lawn. But also, the house in the movie is a lot nicer than the house that they actually lived in in real life. So there's, you know, some creative liberties. 
but basically, uh, the author ended up running into a policeman at a local diner. This is like a mixture of a rock concert and a religious event. You've got people out here purely as a lark, but you've also got people who are screaming and passing out and claiming that they're all sorts of that they see all sorts of sights inside the Smurl house. There are some pretty scary people here, and that's why I feel sorry for the Smurls. This is the kind of crowd that can turn ugly very quickly. Oh, and no. And it kind of does. Oh, no. This is the largest private event in West Pittston history. Oh, wow. <laughs> According to uh, one town official. Uh, by Thursday of this week, more than 1,600 cars drove past the Smurl house every day. That sounds like bullshit. Because honestly, it's a it's a very short, very tight one way street. Okay. <laughs> and it yeah. would be there have been fights among the onlookers to see who can get closest to the house. It's been a total zoo. So much that on Thursday night we ordered the police to barricade the entire street. Okay. So some antics happened there. Then we find out from this second psychic. I, I like this lady's style because she provides a little bit more of what we thrive off of story. Uh, she says that based on the people who are like stuck in the house, the man with the mustache is uh, named Patrick. And he started to get mean one day. And Elizabeth, who was his wife, she became involved with another man. One day, Patrick came home unexpectedly and found Elizabeth in the embrace of her lover. I said lover. Yeah, I decided to... In the embrace of her lover. He killed both of them, strangling Elizabeth and beating the man to death with his fists. Betty Ann, then the psychic, then described how Patrick was beaten by a mob and then hung for the murders. And then she turned to me and said something that we never expected. Janet, you look like Elizabeth. Oh, whatever. Patrick thinks that Jack is your lover and wants Jack and you separate. Get out of here. I don't like this part. I like it <laughs> now. That's stupid. After a period of time, I think enough people feel bad. The church steps in. They get a little involved. and But their level of getting involved is not doing an exorcism in the house. There is an old school priest whose last name is McKenna. He ended up, I believe, becoming a bishop. Mm -hmm. um, and he's up in Connecticut near the Warrens. And the Warrens are like, we know this guy. He's dope. He'll come to your house, do an exorcism. He mm -hmm. did four exorcisms in the house. Wow. <laughs> there was one where he was like, he gets in his, like, they interview him in the book. And he goes, I got in the car and I was kind of like, I don't think that one worked. Oh, my God. But I had to get back home. So I called them the next day and they were like, dude, we don't think that one worked. Oh, my God. <laughs> in the first one, he said mass in the house and he had the whole family there. Um, so there's a bunch of different exorcisms that they do. Uh, but ultimately, none of them are sanctioned by the Catholic Church. Okay. What they seem to get out of the Catholic Church is that a bunch of lay people start to take an interest, I suppose, and pray for them. They show up at the house. They pray at the house, everything like that. And ultimately, what happens is... Uh, the In a joint statement, the Warrens and the Smurls, on October 28th of, I believe, 1985, 1986, something like that. Mm -hmm. But this book came out in 1986, so maybe it was earlier. Uh, for several now weeks born, now... born, everybody. Continue. By the way, my sister was born on October 28th. Woo! For several weeks now, all has been quiet in our house, and it would appear that our problem has been resolved. Okay. Oh, and since we're such a fan of this man's writing, gray November came, but for the Smurls it had the feel of the most beautiful of springs, because in the walls there was no wrappings. On the air there was no grim slaughterhouse There owner. were no wrappings. <laughs> On the faces of their children were the normal smiles of youth. He is very extra. Oh, yeah. That's the best part of this book. Hey, <laughs> okay. Uh, and then it comes back. Oh... To this day, the Smurls live quietly as possible. Basically, um, from this point, they decide to leave the West Piston House, move to Wilkesbury. That's barely far. Right. Also, but I thought it was following the lady regardless. Right. There's a part of this where it's like, and just in case you guys are still listening, God bless you. There's belief that the spirit can attach itself to a person and not necessarily just a place. So it wasn't an early idea. Like, it's hard to sell a house, especially one that you've told people is haunted. It's even harder to sell a lady. And then also, is it? Absolutely and then, not. And then, uh, like, buy a house, you know, like, have the money to put a down payment and everything like that. So they stayed there for quite some time. Part of it was because they didn't quite know if 
it would work if they left. The other part was Mary, the matriarch of the family, was not healthy. And they thought that putting her through another move would be uh, unhealthy for her and too difficult on her heart. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like 14 years of demonic like um, assault is. So maybe I shouldn't have had a 300-page source when coming to this. <laughs> there may be some, because I know I talked way too long. It was uh, But I'm in charge of editing, so I'll keep editing out the parts where I say I talk too long. Okay. For those of you who are sitting at home like, ha, 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 that was a funny story. It's a bunch of bullshit. Maybe you would like to hear from Professor Paul Kern. If any of you think that, you don't deserve to listen to our show. Professor Paul Kurtz of the State University of New York at Buffalo and then chairman of, oh, that this organization exists makes me sad, the Committee for Scientific Investigations of Claims of the Paranormal. Why does it make you sad? It makes me psyched. He runs like a skeptics society. Said the Warrens were not objective, independent, or impartial investigators and characterized the Smurls' claims as a hoax, a charade, a ghost story. Kurt said that the family's claims were possibly due to delusions, hallucinations, or brain impairment. Fuck you, brain impairment. I'm sorry, all of them had brain impairment, bitch? And advised that they submit themselves to psychiatric and psychological examinations. All of them, bitch? Jack Smurl told a newspaper reporter that he had, quote, surgery to remove water from his brain in 1983 because he had been experiencing short-term memory loss due to a case of meningitis in his youth. That doesn't quote. make that happen to all of his children. If you look up water on the brain, it does have a scientific term, but the symptoms of that, hallucinations are not in there at all. Delusions are not in there at all. Forgetfulness, memory loss, that sort of stuff is. Uh, Behavioral stuff where you're like meaner than before or something like that. Like that sort of stuff can happen. Still doesn't Um, count. They didn't all have water in their brain. Right. Well, I think his explanation is, well, dad said there's a demon. So now I'm going to pretend there's a demon too. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, That's assuming far too many things. Right. Allentown psychologist Robert Gordon commented that, quote, people often look at demonology to explain many tensions that they experience as individuals and within their families. Oh, shut up, you twat. So some people believe that this wasn't real. And as I'm sure it's no surprise, if you look at the comments section attached to any articles in area newspapers about this, people are heartless, mean people uh, in this area that I live in. And so they tear on the people and make fun of them and everything like that it's a quite a shame but kudos to shannon and karen for still living in the area and being fine upstanding citizens and kudos to saracinto for interviewing them for the when jack passed away i'm jealous marissa yeah there's no way you can have any questions (laughs) i mean that was pretty thorough (laughs) (laughs) sorry that was great i want to see this more i mean I was, I was going to say I want to see the house, but if there's people living there, it's not that cool. But Because um, it must mean oh. it's not too creepy. But No one in the house has experienced anything spooky. Ugh, boring. Who lived in the house afterwards has experienced anything boring. spooky. But that, again, seems to go to this idea. Now, the, some people will say, oh, it's because the church blew that demon away. <laughs> no yeah. more demon, right? Yeah. Some people would say, oh, well, it's probably attached to the Smurls and it went to the, with them to oh, the house. Oh, that's very true. Could be. But there's not really a lot about them and their Wilkesbury house. I know that in Sarah's particular article, Jack was an active uh, participant in like booster clubs and supporting all these I'm different sorry, organizations. What are clubs? Like for the sports teams, raising money, everything like oh, that. Okay. Selling stuff at, at the sporting events, all those kinds of things. So it's really what's really nice about this story is that despite all the terrible things that happened to them, whether you be- like whether you believe they actually happened or not, these people experienced it in some way. So you should always kind of have some level of empathy. Not that I mean, they yeah. how to live your life, but but they went on to lead upstanding, decent lives afterwards. And I think that's so much more than I would have. I would be like, I'm never working again. I'm going to apply for disability. I'm too messed up to do anything. Oh, for sure. And I'm sure. just going to stay inside and hide. Absolutely. So the when I hear that, that people survive these things, I don't know what's happening. That being said, for plugs, I was just going to plug The Conjuring anyway. 
Uh, I'm going to double plug The Conjuring because it's one of my favorite scary movies of all time. Do you want to further and, uh, plug it in more detail? No, I feel like I kind of went into enough of it with this, but I will say there were uh, rumors early on when they announced that there was going to be a Conjuring 3 yeah, coming out in 2020. Smurls, right? There were rumors that it was going to be based on this. The Warrens, however, <laughs> have also had experiences with werewolves and a few other things. And based on the plot details that have surfaced so far, it does not sound like it's going to be about this. But you can always watch The Haunted, the movie that we will link to um Okay. The Smurls, by the way, made no money off of, allegedly, I should say, according to Karen Smurl, made no money off of the book or the um, movie. So some people have also said, well, you just wanted to make this book and get these movie rights and everything like that. This is a crock of shit. And she's like, we didn't make any money off of it. And if like the way that I interpreted what she said, it was even if we made money off of it, it wasn't like we got rich off of it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like well, even if we, that was true, it's not like it resulted in what you would think or what we would hope to get if if that was true yeah 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 i just gotta i just gotta shut up marissa i turn podcast over to you guys thank you for listening and if you want to uh tell pete that it's not nearly as bad as he thinks it is and it was a pleasant eye-opening experience call call for an hour and 20 minutes (laughs) i just jumped too deep pete shut up you're fine (laughs) Follow well, the 570 pod or slide into his DMs. You don't want that, right? Hey, if you can find me, go for it. Um, Happy to play. <laughs> the other thing is that I didn't know this. We can receive messages on Patreon. So <laughs> it's not like any of you, except Mike Dominic, are donating to the Patreon. But you could donate to our Patreon and then message us there. Ooh, that's fun. Anything that comes through there top priority okay <laughs> yes so yeah mike if you want to talk to us yeah we value you you could slide into my dms at wrist vandal yeah so guys uh thanks for listening have Lo- a spooky time we love you talk to you later bye bye yeah, hi. Hi.